to episode 33 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world of Avatar. I'm Kayla. And I'm Andre. And this week we'll be recapping episode 205, Avatar Day, and 206, The Blind Bandit from season 2 of Avatar The Last Airbender. Before we start, we do want to warn you that there's uh, spoilers for The Rise of Kiyoshi, Legend of Korra, and Avatar The Last Airbender. I said that out of order. Who cares? Uh, however, you are free from spoilers about the shadow of Kiyoshi as well as any avatar universe comic books so andre how are we doing this week i'm really excited for um something that's not avatar that's happening tomorrow which is the first episode of the falcon and the winter soldier that's right that is tomorrow we have a new marvel thing to look forward to every week now yay yes and i need it inject it right into my veins um no i'm really excited for that um i mean i'm not as excited as i was for wandavision i will say that i am for falcon and the winter soldier but i do like sam and bucky's dynamic so i am excited to see you know kind of where they go with this I I was the exact opposite before Wandavision came out. I like mm-hmm. I was like okay, I like Wandavision. I was really really ready for Falcon and the Winter Soldier because I just love all of the Captain America movies and I wanted to see like how they dealt with everything post Endgame. And yeah. also I love Bucky. I think he's a really interesting character, so I'm very excited for that. Um, but you know I'm not gonna try to compare it to Wandavision because I no, know it's but those be two are very completely di- different. Wandavision was like such an experience. Mm-hmm to experience with people everywhere on the internet i i don't think it can ever be replicated no but i and these i'm i'm still very excited for it how are you doing this week i'm doing good i am also now looking forward to falcon and the winter soldier but i think what drew me to wandavision was even though i didn't really like i, I wanted to see more from wanda's and vision's relationship because like i like you know the movies are like i should be feeling something for these people but they didn't give enough screen time that i don't care so they decided to learn yeah. more but also i just love like the complete deviation from like the marvel formula of superhero mm-hmm. stuff they, they they swung right back into that at the end but like just having sure. that kind of break with like the sitcom tributes i love that so there's, there's my one division thoughts right there yeah. um but i'm doing well i'm doing busy i just uh got a job interview and i got the i got the job offer a few hours later so you know congrats yes i will be i will be employed during grad school which is wonderful i love that so yeah that's i'm awesome. excited to do social media and stuff so that's really exciting um that's awesome yeah thank you i am very excited and you know i'm trying to you know just finish up the round out the last of the semester you know try to get Mm -hmm. all these projects done because it's not really because in my major when it comes to you know finals it's not really finals it's all a million different projects that are due one after the other and that's what i'm trying to rein in before it gets crazy you know so but yeah i'm doing well so on to the news the limited edition legend of Korra complete series blu-ray steelbook try saying that five times fast is now available at amazon for a whopping 80 dollars oh my yeah it's a it's a lot it is it is a limited edition so there's a finite number of them but if you look at the artwork for it, it is beautiful. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's like other if there's like behind the scenes stuff on it, because I that I can like then kind of like understand the price point. But if it's just the series, especially if it's on Netflix right now, I'm like eighty dollars. Like, yeah. is it because it's made of steel? Because it's a steel book? Is that it? I don't know. I don't know. But that's out. I mean, we thought we'd tell you because I think we we it, said that it was available for pre-order like a month ago or something. Yeah. So there, there's the little, there's the tiny bit of news that I noticed before. There's actually more important news after that one. Andre, take it away. Um. Yeah. So this is a little bit of interesting news. So AvatarNews.com reported that the live-action Netflix Avatar series will start filming 
on August 21st, 2021 in Vancouver, Canada. And Albert Kim will be show running the series. Um, so, you know, of course, when I saw this, I was following our our own advice and like trying to be like, okay, where did this come from? So I, I think avatarnews.com is a pretty reliable um, source. It's not, um, it still comes with a little bit of skepticism because if it's not, you know, like Hollywood Reporter, Entertainment Weekly, Variety, I, then I'm like kind of like, you know, but um, but they said from on Avatar Zoo that they said that their source is from Prod Weekly, which is a subscription-based production news service. Oh, okay. Um, so you know, there it, it seems a little more reliable than the the articles we've gotten in the past, but you know, still not completely sold on the reliability. But it's a something to consider. But I think Vancouver, Canada, is also where they shot the last Airbender series, uh, the the movie. Actually, there's a lot of films that that are a lot of films and TV shows that are filmed in Vancouver. Like it's like become they they call it like the it's like the Hollywood of the North or something like that is like what they call it because a lot of things get filmed there. I think Once Upon a Time was filmed there. I used to be a fan of Once Upon a Time. Once you know, Once Upon a Time, uh, mm-hmm. but that's one of the places I know they filmed there. And yeah, so so they actually I actually I was wrong. They they filmed in Greenland and Pennsylvania. So not Pennsylvania. Vancouver. Well, that makes sense. You know, M. Night Shyamalan films. It's M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. Yeah. What, what I mean, what do you think of the start date for the filming and also like them filming in Vancouver? I mean, I know you said it's a it's a common place to film stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, hey, it's like a, you know, it's a shred, a little shred of news on this live action Avatar series. It's kind of been kept, you know, kind of quiet since the announcement of it. You know, something, this little shred of something. Um, but hey, I mean. I again, I kind of have like a lukewarm overall reception to this uh, live action Avatar series, so I'm not like on my feet cheering about this. Um, mm-hmm. I'm kind of just like, hmm, interesting. I wonder um, if they're filming in in like the. I'm I'm looking at pictures of Vancouver, Canada, and it's uh, all I can see is city. So I don't know if that's. I don't know if there's like a nature side. I'm just wondering like what they're filming for. I want to say you know? probably. Um, like it's probably because like a lot of sound stages and stuff there they might be starting on a sound stage you know you know that's what i was gonna say for some reason i thought like vancouver was like icy and so i thought oh they're filming you know for the the southern water tribe or something but i don't know not all of canada is frozen man (laughs) i don't i didn't say all of canada was frozen i thought for some reason i thought vancouver (laughs) was like you know it's frozen but i'm looking at pictures of the the city and it kind of looks like republic city so it's kind of weird um but yeah i also wanted to talk about the the albert kim hiring so this was actually um reported on on the illuminati article that came out last month that we were a little uh skeptic of right which happens with sort of articles like that like they'll Mm. put in something that is true and then pair with something that's not oh, it's yeah. just a classic technique. But I think it's safe to say at this point that he is attached to showrunner. Why they haven't announced it officially yet is still kind of weird. Um, hmm. It, I'm just like, I don't understand the the hesitancy to uh, announce anything to do with Especially the show. Especially with like the announcement of Avatar Studios. You'd think they'd you know, kind of follow up with something and be like, hey, we're doing cool Avatar things here too, you know? exactly it's like it's 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 so weird i don't know if they're scared of because they i think netflix is fully aware that they're not in the best position with the fans right now but also it's like it's netflix like who cares just say your piece and leave like i don't know it's so weird 
But um, Albert Kim was actually a showrunner for Sleepy Hollow um, starting in its fourth season. And he also exec produced and wrote for the TV series Nikita, Dirt, and Leverage. I'm, I haven't seen any of these TV shows, so I can't speak to the quality. quality. I know there was um, there was some concern about his Sleepy Hollow credit because there was a lot of drama coming out of uh, that show with um, people of color actors leaving because of mistreatment and and like fervent anti-blackness on oh. the set. Um, and I looked more into it and he didn't step in as showrunner until after all that happened. So I don't really know what his his position Deal. or could have affected anything before that. Mm-hmm. It's a valid concern. I just don't know if like Albert Kim is the one to be like to Ooh. completely blame. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I don't know. It's information. That's my opinion on it. I'm not really feeling any way about it. Um, we just thought, you know, Avatar podcast, we have to bring it up. Yeah. It's something. Um, before we get into the into the recap, sorry, Kayla, I didn't brief you on this before, but I want to touch on specifically what happened in Atlanta yesterday. Um, of the six Asian women that were killed by a racist terrorist, because that's what he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and our heart goes out to the AAPI community. We are going to put links in our um show description for resources um mental health resources any ways you can donate and support and um yeah we just wanted to to say that because i felt it'd be a little irresponsible if we didn't say anything but Absolutely. our hearts truly 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 go out to the people that are affected by that i mean i think we all are but you know more yeah. some more than most but yeah definitely show description pause the episode right now go and check that out share and then come back if you want and also just wanted to comment on that like some of the uh you know some like how it's been reported uh you know people are kind of you know pointing out like especially with like the police response to it you know mm-hmm. like saying that the guy had a rough day and i'm like jesus christ don't say that like really nope how rough a day mm-hmm. do you think those people had you know and their families that's a pretty fucking rough day for them like really yeah we're not idiots <laughs> um that's not something that flies anymore. No. And I think people are, are fully aware of that. So shame on them for yeah. saying something like that. Exactly. That fucking disgusting. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I have no words. <laughs> I yeah. think. Well, other people, we know there's, there's, yeah, we know there's no way to, uh, to, um, I don't know, segue into this, but so we're just going to go right ahead. <laughs> we're going to start with. Episode um, five of season two, Avatar Day. Um, so this episode opens with literally my worst nightmare. Nope. <laughs> a no. spider nesting in Sokka's mouth. I, I hate it. I absolutely I hate like, it. Why? This is my worst fear ever. I hate it. I hate it. And then anyway. some like statistic that some the weird kid would always share at lunch about how like people swallow spiders in their sleep, and that's what I'm thinking about right now, and I can't stop thinking about it. So thank you, weird. Yeah, kid I'm at like, lunch. okay, thanks, Jared. I didn't need to know that. Anyway, <laughs> um, so the gang gets ambushed by the rough rhinos, a group of benders and non-benders formed to claim territories and towns for the Fire Lord. Obviously, we don't know all all of this about them in this moment, but you know that's. That's just what we know about them so far. I also wanted to point out the Rough Rhinos. It kind of sounds a little bit like Rough Riders, which was uh, Teddy Roosevelt's like cavalry during the Spanish-American War. I'm not sure if that was done purposefully or not, but it sounds like it. Okay, history buff. Yeah, just, right. a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> just it just sounds like it. you know the the you know the uh, the rough that's followed by another R word. You know, sure. I, okay, I, I, I think it fits. I see you. I see you. Also, I think I noticed one of the the Yuyan archers from. 
uh, the Blue Spirit episode is also one of these rough rhinos. Oh, that's right. I completely glossed over that. I think that was like one of the fun facts we talked about from Avatar Wiki that they're in this group. So, you know, that's cool. So they're trying to escape. Aang retrieves his staff and Katara re- retrieves her waterbending scrolls, which is in all actuality Aang's scrolls that Paku gave him. I don't know what happened there. Um, continuity. But Sokka unfortunately has no time to save his boomerang. No. Because he's not a bender. <laughs> and they manage to escape. Not the boomerang. The next day while they are purchasing supplies in a nearby Earth Kingdom village, the gang stumble into a festival known as Avatar Day. Uh, a parade goes by with three giant floats of Avatar Kiyoshi, Avatar Roku, and Aang. The gang are initially excited about the parade until a man with a giant torch. <laughs> like the Olympics. So- <laughs> with Like the Olympics, which Sokka comments of how a torch is so manly, but he doesn't think he can like lug it around. Um, apparently, he's on the market for new weapons. And this guy with the torch runs through one of the floats and sets it on fire as the crowd around, around them chants down with the Avatar. So that's fun. Yeah, uh, just a bit. You know, a little a little Olympics opening ceremony type thing took a dark turn. Yeah. Um, and also like the fried food at the festival. I'm like thinking about like fried Oreos, the boardwalk, you know, in Jersey. Oh. That's what I'm thinking about right now. I've never had fried Oreos. Are they good? They are pretty good. Okay. All right. They are pretty good. I can't eat more than like two or three of them, though. They're very rich. Sounds like it. So I'd be sick yeah. after eating too many. So, okay, cool. Yeah. Fun facts. So the scene shifts and we see Zuko dressed as the blue spirit ambush a couple and steal their food. In the woods, he meets up with Iroh, who asks him where he got the food. And Zuko just dismisses the question, asking what does it matter where he got it from? And Iroh, like, kind of wants to ask him about it, but he's like, nah, I'll just, it's fine. And then he just chomps down on one of the pastries or something. I don't know what they stole. It looks like a pastry. Back at the festival, Katara extinguishes the burning effigies and Aang reveals himself as the Avatar and everyone thinks that he's going to like strike them down because he's the Avatar or something. Rain judgment on them. Yeah. <laughs> and immediately he's accused by Mayor Tong that his past life, Kiyoshi, is guilty of killing their former leader, Chin the Great. I mean, so this is interesting just from a just a world-bending standpoint to be like, yeah, there are some people that actually hate the Avatar that are not Fire Nation. Yeah. You know? And I'm sure there's plenty of people around the world that might hate the Avatar and what the Avatar stands for for many different reasons. I mean, you know? yeah, there's people, I mean, there's the people that also, like, resent it and are just like, where were you during the, line not for the 100 years of war? So, but, like, having, like, an actual hatred for the role of the Avatar, no matter whose face it is, mm-hmm. you know? That's definitely something that we haven't before like yeah i could imagine in like in chorus time of people being like why should one person have this much political power just because they're born as the avatar Mm -hmm. like i could definitely like kind of understand that i don't think we get that explicitly in Korra, but that could be something to something cool to explore maybe in future projects hint hint wink wink nudge nudge for yeah. the Korra comics and or you know hopefully Korra spinoff series that the avatar studio gets please i just want more Korra stuff <laughs> listen to our podcast um, break please <laughs> <laughs> so ang agrees to stand trial for kiyoshi's supposed murder and is imprisoned for not being able to pay bail because he tried to play he tried to pay with water try money um, and while Aang is stuck in jail, Sokka and Katara decide to investigate the site of Chin's death, where they find a footprint supposedly belonging to Kiyoshi and a stone statue of Chin. 
Uh, they deduced that the stone of Chin the Great statue was built from the same stone as the temple, which was built after his death, which creates a giant hole in the mayor's story. The two of them decided to visit Kiyoshi Island to try and find more evidence. I love this whole little section of the episode only because... Holmes and Watson type thing. <laughs> it's Holmes and Watson. It's also just like, again, very funny. And Sokka and Katara's dynamic is really given a spotlight Perfect. here. Um, also like the hat Sokka gets like the, he's trying to be he's so he's trying so hard to be Sherlock Holmes here and like he's like the universe he's trying to be the universe of Sherlock Holmes with like the goofy hat and like he has yeah. like the pipe thingy like they took the Sherlock kind of archetype thing and turned it into a you know I love it Um, I think Avatar Wiki said that the hat that he was wearing um, is resem- like resembles um, hats that Chinese magistrates would wear and they were sort of seen as, um, like, detectives, I want to say. Ooh. Let me just uh, double check. Um, yeah, it says the hat is the uh, traditionally worn by Chinese magistrates who in Chinese literature were often depicted as great detectives. So that's cool. There you go. Um, let's see. Katara and Sokka arrive at Kiyoshi Island and are welcomed with cheers, including the infamous foaming at the mouth guy. <laughs> um, yeah, I wish he made a season three appearance, but... There was it's supposed okay. to be a filming mouth girl in Korra, actually. Uh, so, like, to reference that. But actually, I think it was supposed to be at, like, a, one of Amon's rallies or at the pro-bending match, but they opted to not do that, so. Amon's rallies, that probably would have been a weird tone setter. <laughs> I could see it at a pro-bending, ra- a pro-bending match, though. Yeah. Like, definitely. I'm trying to remember what the, you know. That, uh, yeah, that could be really cool. Um, I think I mean it's, it's it's like on par with the cabbage guy, right? And it has it has just as much staying power, even though it happens a lot less often. Trust so. me, I have used the foaming mouth guy GIF so many times in different oh, contexts. Yeah. Like it's just perfect. Yeah. Um. So they tell the mayor of Kiyoshi Island, Oyaji, that Aang is in trouble because of Kiyoshi's crime, and he agrees to take them to Kiyoshi's shrine. Sokka asks Oyaji if Suki is around and he tells him that she and the rest of the Kyoshi warriors left to go fight in the war after their first visit because they were inspired by the gang. Um, so that's really cool. Um, Oyaji shows them Kyoshi's belongings, noting that they still have a strong connection to Kyoshi's spirit. We see Kyoshi's kimono, her war fans, and her giant boots. And Katara realizes that there's no way Kyoshi could have created such a small footprint. And this is really cool. I know you were saying something. Yeah, cool I texted. About this I t- I texted Andre because I didn't really have much time this week because I was working on things. So I watched it like today before we recorded, and I was just like, watch, you know, reading Rise of Kiyoshi before this. Just like the episode was already good, but like just added a little more to it. You know, knowing the story yeah. behind the fans and all that stuff. If you haven't read and haven't listened to our stuff about like Rise of Kiyoshi, go read Rise of Kiyoshi. It's a fantastic book um and also listen to us talk about it but just seeing like the you know when ang uses the fans later it's like especially because like ever they were originally used by kiyoshi's mom who is an you know an airbender like just mm-hmm. seeing like seeing all the stuff that we know from like the book rise of kiyoshi just mm, enhances the experience <laughs> i it enhances the experience but also when Sokka was like like manhandling them i was like oh my ah, god oh my god oh my god just, stop, just like, stop 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 <laughs> Oh my god, I'm already forgetting the character's name. It makes me so upset. The one that taught Kyoshi how to use the fans. What's his name? I'm forgetting uh, it now. Uh, Wong? Wong, yes. Just like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're holding them wrong. You're holding <laughs> the fans wrong. It's not cool, man. It's sacrilegious. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's very very cool to see where where all of that comes from. Um, and then there's this there's this quick little scene back with Aang at the prison, and he's apparently made friends with the other inmates because of course he has. I love and, that so. And they're much. giving him some relationship advice, and I love it. This happens a couple of times in Avatar, actually, making like friends, the, making friends with like the bad guys, quote unquote. Well, like the like, super scary, muscular, ultra hyper masculine men, and then all they're talking about is just like their feelings. That and like <laughs> amazing. it's like it's like in the same vein as like the guy as like when soccer tries to start the prison riot at the boiling rock and like the guy's like hey i'm working on my anger and i don't punch people yes. now like yes same vein it's exactly what it is if only they could have talked to, to um combustion man like that maybe it would have been different maybe maybe <sighs> anyway um oyaji shows katara and Sokka a painting called the birth of kiyoshi which confused me because i thought they were actually talking about like the birth of like, kiyoshi like entering the world but he meant like the island i was like yeah. okay yeah I was, I was about to be like oh no does this contradict rise of kiyoshi and i was like oh no it doesn't at all <laughs> but here's the thing kiyoshi island is yakoya that's you know, like kiyoshi island is yeah it is i looked it up on wicked on avatar wiki it is apparently it is Hold Wait, on. what? Wait, really? Yeah, where Kyoshi was from. Apparently, yeah. Let me let me double check, but I I'm I'm pretty I'm like 80% sure that it is. Avatar Wiki said that? The area that would later become Kyoshi Island was originally a peninsula where the most prominent settlement was Yakoya Port. So Oh <laughs> it's all connected. Oh my god. Yeah. That's really cool. Avatar Wiki Avatar Wiki said that. Avatar Wiki said that. Yeah. So interesting so it used to be called yokoya and now it's kiyoshi island huh yeah well (laughs) (laughs) i did not know that i feel so stupid for not including that in the doc that's okay yeah okay kayla okay do you even need me anymore because i'm just like (laughs) damn i definitely still need you you edit this thing (laughs) (laughs) so so that happened Go, Kayla. Um, <laughs> how do we even go get back on track after such a giant revelation? Back to um, Shin Village? How's that? Yeah, well, yeah. So he's showing the painting, and they realize that there's no way that Kiyoshi could have been at the site of Chin's murder because of the day and time the painting was painted, which is the same day. Um, also, there's this really funny moment where Katara is about to point something out and then Sokka literally like no. yeets her out of frame <laughs> and it is hilarious. <laughs> like this joke's played like three different times to the episode of like, you know, Katara's like about to give the deduction and Sokka's like, no, I want to say it and just doesn't, interrupts her in different ways. And like, <laughs> I was getting annoyed by it, but it, obviously, apparently he had to get physical in order for me to find it funny. <laughs> It was just the speed at which it happened. It was just so funny. It was. Um, uh. So we return to Chin Village and they begin to present evidence to Mayor Tong, who, by the way, is is voiced by uh, the Chancellor from Mulan. I was going to say, love. he's like the, the clerk or something for the Emperor. Like that Yeah, guy. like the I Chancellor. Yeah. I recognize the voice. He's also the, the voice of the goose who's Poe's dad from uh, Kung Fu Panda. Yes. So yes. fun love facts him. there. Love him. Um. So they begin to present evidence to him, but he dismisses them because that's not how their court system works. Rather, each side will present their version of events and then he will decide who is right. That's why they call it justice, because it's just us. <laughs> just, just 
ridiculous. It's like a really, it's a weird dad joke that is still funny. It is. You know what I mean? It is ridiculous. It's like almost Monty Python-esque with like that kind it of is. like situation. That, uh, that's exactly what it is. Exactly. <laughs> For the younger kids, if you don't know what Monty Python is, go watch it. It's. I think, I think uh, Holy Grail is on Netflix. So, you know, yeah. at least start with Holy Grail. You know, it's yeah. very funny. Uh, the next day, Aang tries to explain the evidence Katara and Sokka found to the rest of the village, but bombs it, much like me when I had to do oral book reports in middle school. Oof, um, literally there. the exact same. Um, and then we're back with Zuko and Iroh, and they've now amassed a lot of nice things, and Zuko has, like, decorated the cave that they live in. Um, and, after, like, after he, like, robs an uh, Earth Kingdom, like, tax collector. Yeah. Uh, Robin Hood-esque. Well, well, you know. You know, Robin, it's Robin Hood-esque. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Iroh tells him that there is a simple honor in poverty, and when Zuko mentions that the only way he can regain his honor is by capturing the Avatar, Iroh says that it will not solve all of their problems, and he must not fall into despair. Worried about how Zuko is coping with the situation, Iroh tells him, in the darkest times, hope is something you give yourself. That is the meaning of inner strength. And honestly, like with like this pandemic going on and like the resurgence of the Avatar fandom, like Mushu coming to life, that's <laughs> like that line has come up so many times in the last like year because we are come we are one year into this pandemic. So just you know, now I see the episode where it comes from, and it's a great line. It's a really it is a it is a fantastic line. Also, the I mean, the voice acting in it is also very good. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like he kind of said something similar, like warning Zuko that not to trust that everything might immediately go back to the same. Like we kind of got that in the first episode of this season of him talking about how like he never knew Ozai to regret anything. But I mean, that right there is kind of like the thesis statement of Zuko's arc in this season like regaining uh, like capturing the avatar is not going to fix anything and no matter how many times Zuko is told that he doesn't believe it until he actually experiences it happening right in front of his eyes so it's like oh it's so good it's so good in a last ditch attempt Katara dresses Aang up in Kiyoshi's kimono makeup and headdress thinking that it will call upon avatar Kiyoshi since she's Aang's past life I want to know how Uyaji was like, just let them take all of this stuff. I don't, I honestly don't think he did. I think, I don't think he did either. Took it. I think you're still just took it. That's all I was like, um, <laughs> I don't know about that, guys. No. <laughs> so, wait, like, the, did they ever give the, the clothes back to Kiyoshi Island or is it just still on Chin? I hope, I hope so. I hope so. I don't know where they are in the Earth Kingdom and I have no idea what the, the distances from Kyoshi Island either. So I feel, I mean, I was like the, at the end of this, I was like, they better give that back to Kyoshi Island. This feels like sacrilegious, just leaving her stuff there, especially because now we have a more personal connection with Kyoshi after reading her book, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, Initially it doesn't work. And Aang tries to like pretend he's Kyoshi, which I mean, he's, he's going, obviously he knows nothing about Kyoshi Oof. because the high pitched hyper feminine is a, not exactly what we're going for here. No, um, suddenly, Kiyoshi possesses Aang's body, much like Roku did in the Winter Solstice episodes. Um, and she announces to the village that she did indeed kill Chin the Conqueror, as she calls him. Which I noticed, I didn't notice that they were calling him Chin the Great the entire episode until Kiyoshi called him Chin the Conqueror. 
because that's what he was. Mm-hmm. Um, History, it's kind of like yeah. it, it mirrors Kuvira in a little bit how they called her like the great uniter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, if they they were doing very similar things like trying to spread their control all over the Earth Kingdom. Um, she calls him uh, a terrible tyrant who wanted to invade her home, which we now know is Yokoya. Thank you, Kayla. Um, and to protect her people, she used the Avatar state to separate the entire peninsula from the mainland, pushing it onto, pushing it into the ocean to form Kyoshi Island. But if he just took Yokoya and pushed it somewhere else, <laughs> I'm gonna make that a meme. I'm gonna make that a <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Yes. Robert, get on that. I can uh, make it. <laughs> That's so funny. That's exactly what it is. Uh, she lava oh, bended fuck. though, I think. You can see the lava like, you know, around the island. Like I think she lava bended to make that happen. Oh, that's lava bit. bending girl. That's lava bending one hundred percent. I wanna say this though. Um is the Avatar mansion on Kyoshi Island then? Ooh. You think we ever see it? No, I don't think so. Because we only see that one village. Maybe on she Kyoshi destroyed Island. it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe she was maybe, just like maybe Fuck maybe that. maybe that'll maybe that'll be answered in the rise in the shadow of Kyoshi. Maybe that will be revealed. But we did That's say true. they're going to Fire Nation, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, well, uh, maybe I don't know. Okay. Anyway, back anyway. to back to I kill Chin the Conqueror. <laughs> right. Um. In the process, uh, Kyoshi's airbending scattered and decimated Chin's army. Chin himself was left standing on a weakening overhang at the end of the cliff. And he, because he's too stubborn to walk away, he falls to his death when the ground broke off from under his feet. Kiyoshi then leaves Aang's body and Mayor Tong says that he is guilty. So, I mean, like, I don't know. I know Kiyoshi, like, confesses twice in this episode and in one of the series finale episodes that, you know, she doesn't see the difference between... Killing him directly and... Killing him directly and killing him like that because she would have done whatever it took. And you know Kiyoshi would have done whatever it took. I think this also kind of took... I think this also kind of like this episode and then of course the season... Like the series finale like kind of of, like made like Kiyoshi into like the Chuck Norris of the Avatar universe amongst the fans. And while I love those, just we know we know in the book from what we've seen of her and of course we're going to learn more in Shadow of Kiyoshi. She's just a very, very blunt person. She's not a bloodthirsty... You know. No, she's not bloodthirsty. She's yeah, she is just very, very blunt. blunt. <laughs> yeah, blunt very. is the, blunt is the word, and not necessarily in a bad way either. No. Um. Sometimes it is. Yeah, it is a fault, but sometimes it's it's a benefit to her personality. I also do gotta um, say though, it's really funny. Like it's like I mean, I know it's technically not funny, but it's like they're going all this way, getting all of the evidence, all of like the you know stuff, and then literally Kyoshi shows up. She's like, yeah, I did it. I kill. You know, I. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm responsible for this guy's death. I love you know? that she was like, I'm not going to let people think for one second that I did not kill this man. <laughs> she was like, why are these kids coming up in here and trying to tell them that I did not kill him? I did. What are they doing? Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I, I want to think that Roku like tugged on Kiyoshi's kimono and be like, hey, Kiyoshi, look what they're doing. Look what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Um... Uh, yeah, so back in the cave, Zuko tells Iroh that he has to find his own way in life, which Iroh understands and decides not to stop Zuko when he goes out of the cave, gives him the ostrich horse, and after thinking about what, what his uncle said, he decides to travel alone. And that sets up Zuko alone for the next episode that we're going to recap. So excited yes, to talk will. about that. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. I, uh, uh, hmm. I just... 
you it's it's all you know what you know we don't get what i'm having stroke (laughs) (laughs) it's okay (laughs) do you smell toast andre oh my god do you smell toast (laughs) sometimes the idea gets so lost in my head that i'm trying to retrieve it i was just going to point out (laughs) that the animation work in the character's face of iroh um is like so detailed to the point like you know when you're like watching a great actor and the way they're acting and they're like the face acting like you can mm-hmm. see the gears turning in their head and you can visibly see in the animation of Iroh being like I want to stop him and then him thinking but maybe this is what he needs but he literally gives Zuko the ostrich horse so you yeah. know yeah it's oh it's so good it's so good I almost Just wanted cause... a little bit more of them in this episode. Like, yeah. I mean, they we didn't it's get a whole up lot Zuko, of them. But it's setting up Zuko alone, and they'll get back together, and there's plenty more good Zuko Iroh moments to come. Okay, fair, 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 fair. Okay, okay, okay. Um, you won me over. Um, so Aang spins the Wheel of Punishment. <laughs> insert joke here. <laughs> and initially, it lands on boiled in oil. I also want to talk about the underpun- other punishments in there, which is, like, eaten by a shark. <laughs> like... What the fuck is wrong with this village? They have nothing else to do except hate the Avatar. Like <laughs> literally, literally, they made that just for him. Just for him. I like to think. I like to think like the the night before the trial, like Mayor Tan like commissioned somebody to like make the Wheel of Punishment, or he made it out, or he had <laughs> and then, like, yeah, he had somebody like, with like crayons and like you know one of those things for like school fairs, but they give out like goldfish or something like. That. Exactly, exactly. He gives them prototypes, <laughs> and he tells the entire village before the gang gets there, be like, pretend this is a regular thing that we do all the time. <laughs> and I love the the guy that's like. Looks like it's boiled in oil. I'm like <laughs> that guy is so underrated in this episode. Just his delivery is just perfect. It's so funny. The Avatar will now spin the wheel of punishment. Like <laughs> it's so funny. Um, suddenly the rough rhinos invade the village and saying that they're going to claim the village for the Fire Lord and Mayor Tong changes the verdict to community service so Aang right, can community help. Community service, go serve your community. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I love Aang is just like, you know what, all the shit y'all put me through, he was like, I don't know, I'm supposed to be boiled in oil so I can't really help. Like, okay. That was sass. Sometimes people yeah. forget, I sometimes forget that how like Aang can be sassy too, guys. Sometimes. It's once in a blue moon, but it can happen. Oh yeah. It can happen. Definitely. The nice Definitely. ones you gotta watch out for. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, he yeets off Kyoshi's kimono, which again I hope that they retrieve. I hope they retrieve. I just I don't know, girl. I don't know. Um, and it's really cool to see Aang fight in the makeup with the, fans. with the war fans because we know what the makeup symbolizes. We know what those fans symbolize. And you also made a really good connection that I didn't think about how those fans originally belonged to an Airbender. So that just makes it seem like that much cooler, you know. And like how it yeah, enhances airbending, like oh, I love it. And I could see, I can see FCE getting the idea of of like because he also Aang uses fans in the Kyoshi Island episode, but it's not mm. like Kyoshi's fans, you know what I mean? So I think it's really cool. I mean, it's it's fairly plausible that FCE could have gotten the idea of making Kyoshi's mother an airbender simply from this scene because this is also an episode that has the most Kiyoshi content. So I think naturally this would have been a source for him to start at. Yeah, so, that makes sense. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, and throughout the fighting, Sokka is reunited with his boomerang because boomerang always comes, comes back. back. Yes. 
Love that. And then except the um, one time it didn't, but that's later. <laughs> Kia, uh, Katara does some top-notch water bending, um, and not even just like brute force, just like doing stuff like cutting the straps off of the the you know, the saddles and everything. It's really so cool, cool stuff. So clever. Um, after defeating the Rough Rhinos, Marathon declares that Avatar Day is now a day of celebration Yay. in honor of the day Avatar Aang saved them. And then the episode ends with the trio unenthusiastically eating the new Avatar Day food stable on fried dough. Oh, it's Reminds so me gross. of the pasta that they used to serve at Cafe Evansdale at WVU. <laughs> that was Towers. That was Towers, right? Mm-hmm. One time sorry, I, was I was literally given that. dough instead of pasta. I was literally given. So you think I always associated with Towers pasta with like cardboard, like chewy, like weirdly chewy pasta, like undercooked pasta. So we had two very different experiences, it, but they yeah, both suck. They, 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 they both suck. They both suck. Just on different spe- sides of the spectrum of suck here. Squishy. If you didn't get the much. one specific cook that did the pasta, it wasn't good. Exactly. Like I would go in there, and be like, "Is she on? Is she on shift?" And be like, "No." I'd be like, "All right, I'll get something else." Anyway, weird tangent. Um, <laughs> very specific, so very specific WVU tangent. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's Avatar Day. Um, we're going to come back with a blind bandit after this quick ad read. We'll see you all after the break. And we're back. We're recapping episode six of season two, The Blind Bandit. Uh, considering how much of like a staple is in like Avatar, like how much of a staple like Toph is in Avatar with like the, the main gang, like I can't believe we lasted this long without her. Uh, like I, so excited to do the Toph introduction episode. It's like one of the uh, on, like it's like up there with like one of the funniest episodes, uh, like funniest moments mm-hmm. that like end up in like the best moments of Avatar, like the humor stuff. So, mm-hmm. all right, enough chit chat. Let's get on to it. So they are in a marketplace in a village, a typical, uh, and Sokka is being extremely indecisive of whether he wants to purchase one of the bags in the marketplace or not. Uh, which store is this? Like you, like you know, trying he's like having a hard time when he's trying to get it or not. Like treat yourself, Spencer's. Spencer's. <laughs> Spencer's. Yeah. There's so much shit in that store, and I want to get all of it, yeah. but then I never get any. I of saw. It. I saw. Uh, was it Spencer's? Yeah, Avatar moccasins and Spencer's. I was there a couple oh, I know. Of, I was there like I, last I know week. That. I sent a picture of them to you. I don't know. I know they're a chain. I don't know how far reaching they are. Spencer's, for people who don't know, is just, it's like a hot topic. But like they have more adult stuff than a hot they topic. Have, yeah, <laughs> they have sex toys. They have all that. They have dildos, all that stuff. So but lingerie. Yeah. But they also have like fandom stuff too. Mm-hmm. And I, I yeah, was, they put that they put that at the back of the store. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> they don't put that in the front, no. Sometimes I see a mom and like her little daughter in there and being like, Y'all know where you are. (laughs) Yeah, but I was very, very tempted to get the Avatar water bottle they were selling there. I should have gotten it. The the water what? They had a water bottle with Avatar characters on it. Oh, water bottle. I thought you said water polo. And I'm like, what? Water bottle. (laughs) Anyway, enough about Spencer's. I I can agree. I've only been to Spencer's a few times, and I can agree with you on that. Or Barnes & Noble with books, because I'm a nerd. Even though I don't read the books usually that's usually what happens i just get too busy don't read them so i guess i need to do a podcast for every that, single book i read <laughs> that's also yeah barnes and noble for me too yeah i need to do only a- because sometimes it's it's so expensive sometimes that i'm like do yeah. i is it worth buying this 27 dollar book i need to like i guess if i ever need to read if i ever like want to read a book i guess i just need to do a podcast on that book because it'll force me to read it every day <laughs> every week literally you want to read more make a podcast about it <laughs> 
currently reading with Kayla Gagnon where I just talk about what book I read that day. There you go. There you go. Okay. Put that, put that, put a pin in that. See if I ever have time for that. My two podcasts that I work <laughs> on. Anyway, so Aang Guitar uh, trying to be supportive of Sagan's purchasing indecisiveness, but they're kind of like, okay, whatever. Just mm, we're going to, we're going to let you make your decisions on that. We support you either way, honey. And they, they run into a guy who's giving out flyers for a Master Use Earthbending Academy. Uh, Katara convinces Aang to pick one up so that way he can go get an earthbending teacher because, you know, that's kind of what he needs to do. Um, and then he ends up going for one free lesson and he basically just gets one boulder thrown at him. The master, he's like hanging over. He's like, so, do you want to buy like a year's worth of lessons now? <laughs> like, So then he goes back to out to Katara and Sokka and they say that he's like, yeah, this isn't the right guy for me. For me to learn do you know what that from. reminds me of? It reminds me of those websites that build resumes for you. And then in order to download the resume, you have to like pay a subscription fee. And it's like, yeah, it's like free now, but in a month, it'll be like $25 a month. And I'm like, fucking excuse me. Why am I paying you $25 a month, sometimes for a year, for a resume? That's what that reminds me of. No. Why am I paying a year's worth of money for a resume that I'm making once? I hate the subscription model that for everything. I hate how everything you can't just buy something once and then have it forever. No, you got to buy it and then you got to buy it again and then you got to buy it again. I fucking hate it. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> so the gang then to here to over here to earthbending students who are leaving the school talking about Earth Rumble 6, just basically this universe's WrestleMania. And <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. They go to WrestleMania to get an earthbending teacher. And that's like the most like tween teenager thing ever and i love that yeah yeah <laughs> ang asks the boys where the tournament is and one of them says it's on the island of nunya nunya business like jesus christ they got the oh, they got, got me the, they got the elementary slash middle like you know late elementary school early middle school bullies so well here yeah um and then guitar then follows them to try to get the location of wrestlemania 6 uh, and then Sokka's like regretting getting the bag and he's talking about that. And then Guitar comes running back. He's like, oh, I found out where the, we're, we're going to go to Earth Rumble 6, guys. I know where it is. And he's like, so how'd you find the location? She's like, hair flip. Oh, I have my ways. Like, she didn't really do a hair flip, but, you know, it, it was it was implied. Uh, mm. Smash cut to the jerk boys being frozen to opposite walls with their heads like pushed against each other. <laughs> what a bam. <sighs> The gang then goes to Earth Rumble 6, which, again, WrestleMania. So they go to the front row seats, which they find. It's like, wow, front row seats. Like, why is no one sitting here? And then you find out, like, two seconds later exactly why no one is sitting there because a giant fucking boulder comes flying out. Uh, and I love, like, the host. Like, the host steps in the middle of the ring and announces, you know, hey, welcome to the tournament. But, like, it's so funny the way he does it. It's like, the rules are, basically, you just fight each other and knock someone out of the ring and you win. Like, the way he says it was really funny. Which... I can see how pro bending evolves out of that. Exactly. And then also like, remember the fighting that we saw in uh with the the Daofei in Rise of Kiyoshi, you know? Oh, the and late tie, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is the thing. This is the thing. Here's mm -hmm. the thing. Mm -hmm. The thing is, this is the thing. I I know a lot of like anti Legend of Korra people, a lot of their uh, a common argument is like how like pro bending like like makes it it doesn't take bending seriously. Are they trying to? They sound like they sound like Tenzin, and Tenzin eventually warms up to it, guys. Like you don't. And I'm just like, so what's this? So what's this Earth Earth Kingdom Thunderdome they got going on? This has been a thing. They've been doing this. Now they're just elaborating on it more. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, and then, like, I love Katara's line. She says, this is going to be just a bunch of guys chucking rocks at each other, isn't it? And that's just me with football. That, oh, you beat me to it. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. What, hap- what happens when two gay people run a podcast together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my They're just God. throwing a ball for 10 seconds over and over and over again. And just wrestling it. each other over it. And, like, they make 10 seconds last a fucking eternity. Yeah. So, anyway. Uh, but that introduced the rock. I mean, the boulder. <laughs> The live what's actually oh so apparently is a fun fact here. The boulder uh is actually voiced by this guy who is the rock's one of the rock's biggest rivals and closest friends in wrestling. Really? Yes. And apparently That's funny. And apparently in, according to Avatar Extras, which is this is all from Avatar Wiki, but in the Avatar Extras that the show's creator did actually try to get the former wrestler to be the boulder, but the exact details are not explained. I'm reading directly off of it. <laughs> <laughs> interesting that's yeah. funny yes so that happened that's cool uh and so then the two earthbenders so the, the boulder faces off against the hippo and the the two earthbenders duke it out the boulder wins the round katara is mildly impressed see this is this is how much i care about this stuff for the sports uh katara is mildly impressed ang's not impressed because you know the boulder's a wee bit arrogant uh and then Sokka meanwhile is like the boulder's like new biggest fan you know going crazy in the stands and everything i love it you know, I will say this, like, if this was a real-life thing, if, like, pro-bending was a real-life thing, I'd be super into it. Oh, yeah. That's the only sport I'd, be, I'd ever I'd like. Be... It's the only sport I'd like. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I don't know. I'd be super into it. Also, like, I appreciate, like, some of the research they did with this, with, like, the wrestling stuff, because, like, the next they introduced to Fire Nation Man, who's basically, like, in... You know, this is why people say wrestling's fake because they put on these characters and stuff for it in like real world mm. wrestling. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes have like the villains show up, and so literally, I'm typing this. I pause the episode. I'm typing like, you know, oh, he's like doing a he's doing it's like it's like you know real world equivalent be him doing a Russian character if this was America in the '80s. And then literally, I press play and he starts talking in a Russian accent. I'm like, fucking called it. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, it's like how last week's episode, like the swamp all came from like a weekend that Bright went to Florida. And they went to this was also just a week a, a weekend night that they went to like a wrestle WrestleMania thing or whatever and they're just like, let's make an avatar episode about it. That could be fun. And introduce that's, a key, that's what all the avatar and episodes and introduce are. Introduce a key character, you know. Yeah, there you go. Um, what's also really funny is they're kind of mixing sports references here. They almost have like a badger mole, like Zamboni type thing going on with clearing the rocks <laughs> off of yes. it. That's what I was thinking of, Zamboni. Yeah. Um, and they watch the boulder just defeat opponent after opponent. Uh, and then the champion is introduced. The blind bandit shows up to face against the boulder, uh, who is a 13, 14-year-old girl? How old is 12. 12. She's 12. Okay, I was... Yeah. Same age range. They all look the same to me with these kind really of, little kids. You I know? was like, um, she's twelve. Oh, I'm sorry. She's twelve. <laughs> there, Big I fixed fan. it. <laughs> anyway, so the gang is like super surprised that she's the cha- like by her. You know, she's the champion. She's like, is she really blind, or is it just part of her character? Uh, but this is like one of my the, the, like what happens next. Like one of my favorite like goofy lines of the series is like the boulder feels conflicted about fighting a young blind girl. Sounds to me like no. you're scared, Boulder. The Boulder feels conflicted. I love that so much. Just like, like literally, that's the first like lines we hear from Top, or just her making fun of someone. I love that so much. And then like, you know, the Boulder is over his conflicted feelings. Like, has no inner monologue whatsoever. And then like, and then of course, Top being like, whenever you're ready, the Pebble. Like, just, I'm sorry, this is like ridiculous. It's so good. 
Aang then realizes that the blind bandit is the girl from his swamp visions from the time he was high on swamp gas. Just kidding. Uh, this pull- <laughs> Swamp gas. Uh, got that good swamp gas. Uh, the, the boulder attacks, but Top is able to sense his movements through the vibrations in the earth. Using this ability, he ba- she basically needs the boulder to do a full split before he can make a move and easily defeats him in like literally two moves. Like the split move and he's out of the arena. Uh, yeah. Love that. But Random thought. I love how they carried this animation of Top, like sensing, like you know, her opponent's movement of like the screen going, like you know, kind of black and white, and like seeing like the, the sound waves and stuff like that. I love how they carried that into like Lynn doing that, like her, Lynn, her daughter, oh, yeah. doing that in Legend of Korra. Like I'm thinking, like the first mm-hmm. thing that something comes to mind is like when she's investigating Hiroshi Sato's like workshop. So continuity. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the the boulder has been defeated. The pebble has been kicked aside uh the host then offers a sack of gold coins to anyone who can defeat the blind bandit uh so the ang then steps up and volunteers because he just wants to talk to her uh which is a great idea um ang then uses his airbending to evade her uh you know because she can't sense him when he's in the air and he ends up knocking her out of the ring which i think is also just a really cool scene it also shows like their two personalities when it comes to like facing uh a, mm-hmm. you know conflict or a tough situation like top bases it head on and kind of is a bit more flighty about it and we do kind of see those type personalities kind of collide in a later episode um mm-hmm. the yeah. cuddly poops episode it's <laughs> <laughs> the only thing i could think of from that episode besides that uh we'll get there eventually um after top gets knocked out you know her name is top we're gonna keep referring to as top instead of the blind bandit um top then storms out of the arena and ang then tries to follow her but she's gone so they then go back to the Earth Bending Academy to find out, uh, you know, the blind bandit must go here then. She's, you know, she's so good. Um, mm. And they see the same guys who immediately jump at the sight of Katara, which <laughs> I love that. Bamf right there, as Andre says. Uh, and she, let's see. They ask, sorry, they ask where she is and they said she's just a mystery. They don't know where she goes. Then Aang says, oh, wait. We're asking about the wrong person here. We're talking about a girl in the white dress from my from my vision. So they ask if they've seen anyone with a white dress with a flying boar, to which one of the boys replies, hey, the flying boar is a symbol of the Beifong family. Um, they're the richest people in the town or the world. Mm-hmm. And apparently they don't have a daughter, which that's that's not true. So they go to leave. And then another great exchange. Hey, got my eye on you. Water try. Like, <laughs> water try. <laughs> I someone actually recreated that like moment right there with like there's two cosplayers in a hotel. So they had like they mm-hmm. went out the automatic doors in the lobby doing that and just enhanced the experience. Amazing. And, like it was even funny is that the Sokka cosplayer even had like the head like did like a, did, like a head movement with it. I'll send it to you. It's so funny. Anyway. Anyway. So meanwhile the boulder and the host, Shinfu, don't know why I didn't put, you know the name before and they're talking and the boulder says that he didn't see any earth bending coming from ang leading them to believe that they that you know they made a deal blind bandit and ang made a deal and they go mm-hmm. you know swindled the host the gang then go to the Beifong estate and they cross the wall into the gardens and immediately get launched yeeted into the sky with earth bending uh because it's Toph. Toph knows that they're there the so Toph shows up she asks twinkle toes ang what he's doing there uh again Great, and I'm going to keep quoting the whole episode at this point. How'd you know it was me? Don't answer to Twinkle Toes. It's not manly. Your bag matches the belt. <laughs> like, 
Oh my lovely God. gang dynamics in this episode. It's so good. It's like this is just the start of it. There's so many more moments to come, and mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, Toph then asks how they find her, and basically they explain the whole defeating the Fire Lord. We saw you in a swamp type scenario, uh, and then yeah, Toph's like, "Yeah, this is not my problem. This is too weird. You guys are weird. Like, get out of here. I'll call the guards," which she eventually does, and they scurry. Um, and then she turns into a completely different person when the guards show up. Like, you see her personality take a full 180 there. And she's yeah. like, oh, I thought I heard someone and I got scared. Like, completely yeah. different person. So the guard then reminds her that, you know, oh, your dad doesn't want you going out alone, you know, without supervision. So they bring her back inside. And then Toph's parents talk with Master Yu from the Earthbending Academy, who's been teaching Toph earthbending. And they're like, saying, oh, we don't want her doing anything dangerous, you know, because she's delicate. He's like, oh, don't worry. We're all, I'm only going to keep her at the beginner level, basic forms and breathing exercise only. Like, literally, like, while she's in the room. Yeah. Uh, a servant that interrupts. Like, she's she's blind, not deaf, guys. Uh, but a servant interrupts and says that they have a visitor. And again, another underrated line, I got to say. Who thinks they're so important they can come to my home unannounced? Uh, the Avatar, sir. Like, <laughs> great line there. Uh, which royally pisses off Toph. Uh, so the gang eats dinner with the Beifongs. To- you know, Sokka's eating like he hasn't eaten in weeks uh, in front of a bunch of fancy people. It's great. Um, let's see. So the to- like, it's another like, small moment that like grinds my gears, which is supposed to grind your gears. Like he says that like, you know, he told us like her father tells someone the servant to blow on Toph's suit because it's too hot for her, and then Aang shows off a little bit of airbending to do it. You know. Anyway, so they start talking about the war, and Aang says that he's in need of an earthbending teacher, to which she says, oh, Master Yu's the best one in the land. I went to one of your classes this morning, Master Yu, and I learned nothing. <laughs> like, oh, my God. And basically, it just turns into another, like, let's just condescend Toph and say that, she, you know, oh, she can't, she can't earthbend because she's, a, you know, she's blind. And just, again. Yeah, it's, the coddling is, like, it's so gross it to makes watch. makes skin like, crawl. Yeah. Like, it's not, it used to be angry as a kid, but now it just, like, grosses me out, you know? Yeah. Gross. Yeah. Um, And basically, like, Aang and Toph, like, Aang, you know, Toph tries to get Aang to shut up by doing, like, subtle, not so subtle, earthbending moves to get him to shut up. And then Aang kind of repays the favor by, like, doing an airbending sneeze, just making everything go everywhere. Uh, dinner ends promptly after that. Uh, then Toph later comes to the gang's room to apologize and she and Aang go for a walk together and she says that she, she basically explains how she sees with earthbending and talks about how condescending her parents are as we've seen copious amounts of times at this point and you know he says you can come with us you know and she's like I got you know I can't leave my parents you know so then uh, but, but literally what's I mean again with seeing how powerful of a bender and like just her way like you get to see her way of sensing things through earth bending in action when she's like we're being ambushed and like the ambush doesn't mm-hmm. even happen yet like yeah so cool um and they end up getting kidnapped by the gang of ref- wrestlers who put them in a metal box for metal boxes for ransom uh and they leave a note for the bang fongs ransoming top off for a hundred sorry 500 gold pieces and then proceeds to get into the best transition ever. Poor Toph, she must be so scared. Why don't you come up here so I can smack that grin off your face? <laughs> so then the rest of the gang and the Beifongs show up with the ransom money at the arena. Toph gets released, but they're, keep- keep- they're keeping Aang so they can give him to the Fire Nation for a handsome reward. Um, Katara then calls after Toph as the Beifong, as, you know, Beifongs and, well, sorry, one Beifong, her dad, and the earthbending teacher, can- you. 
are leaving and then just like, okay, Toph, can you like get a little backup here, please? We're trying to get our friend back. And then, of course, her dad proceeds to be condescending again, calling her tiny, blind, helpless, and fragile. And Toph's like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not doing this. I'll help you guys. She's, you know, storms off. And I fucking, it's one of my favorite, like, earthbending scenes in the show here. Oh, yeah. Just, like, she, literally, like, she said, like, she said, like, uh, I can, like, she basically just kicks all the butts and people she already kicked their butts before to get to where she is in wrestling. So amazing. Good for mm-hmm. her. Um, just when Toph says they're mine, I started laughing because I was like, I know what's coming. You know, did you get that same thing? Yes. Yeah. Like- so I was like, oh, hell yeah. yeah. This is the thing, too. It's like we got earthbending in the first season, but the first season was really dedicated to seeing all of the cool things that waterbending can do. And obviously, because we're in the earth book, we're just finally, finally seeing like the full array of earthbending. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's so cool. It is. It's personally one of my favorite like kinds of bending to watch in the show. I just think it's really I mean, dynamic and, and strong and really cool. And considering like, you know, how different it is. I mean, I know that we've seen fire bending and air bending and, you know, water bending and stuff like that. And they all get their own focuses and stuff. But like, this is just like so different from like, you know, I know each style is very different, but like more flowy style of for water. And then mm-hmm. now it's more like, you know, decisive, like punches and movements through that. It was Yeah. Very sharp, very jabby. Like, yeah, it's really cool. Details. I love it. Um, but just like effortlessly kicks their butts again. I can't really. There's nothing much more I can say about this scene except it's fucking awesome. Go watch it again if you want. And it's 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 also hilarious oh, yeah. when each person she it's like tosses out of the ring. It like they go into the same spot and every shot is like them helping each other up, and then another <laughs> one like smacks into them. It's so funny. Another one bites the dust. Except they're not <laughs> they're not dead though. But you know, just beautiful and like literally it's, it's so funny because it is like it's literally a rematch you see like her father and you know you in the stands watching this happen mm-hmm. as like just people getting thrown out of the ring one after the other just piling all up. they see is just a cloud of dust and just people like flying out of it just beautiful and like the shot of the <laughs> dust like the dust clearing and there's just Toph standing there smirking like yeah amazing yeah. and then she beats the host uh Shinfu kicks his butt um the shot of the rocks like going by her face like mm. where it's like a close-up on her face and you just see it go by like you see her just easily sidestep his attack like forget the bullet dodging sequence in the matrix this is so much more satisfying to watch yeah it's it's also how they they animate like the momentum of the scene and the earth bending i'm also thinking of one particular shot where she kind of like slices one of her hands and it's just like the way it's like animated and how it like reacts. It's ah, it's just so well done. I really, really can see where Breck were like, this is the first time we're really getting to see some cool earth bending. So earth we bending gotta pull out all the stuff. Earth bending, like earth bending fighting, you know, earth yeah. bender fighting earth bender. Because I mean, we might have seen a that little too. bit of it before, but nothing to this scale, you know? Right. Yeah. Beautiful. And then Master Yu then says like, she's the greatest earth bender I've ever seen, uh, which. She is, you know, probably her and Boomy are probably the best earthbenders alive at this point. Uh, yeah. Don't fuck with them. Uh, so then they go back to home, back to the uh, Beifong estate, and Toph tries to explain her secret identity to her parents, hoping that it won't upset them too much. You know, okay, she's coming clean about it. But instead of taking her, you know, blind bandit stuff as a way, as you know, showing how she's independent, 
they kind of say, oh, that's too much freedom for you. You're going to get a round-the-clock guard. And yeah, that breaks my heart. Like, that that really did. And then just, like, you know, and they, they it breaks. It, sorry, I, I was just going to say, it, yeah. it breaks my heart because it's also, like, very real. Like, I know, I, I know that some parents act, like, react in that way because they think whatever their... Um, they see their the their kid becoming the person that they're meant to be, and they think that that's the wrong person to be. So they react negatively and which, shut them down yeah. even further and ostracize them. And shut them. them down even further. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of a lot of uh, parallels there to real life. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I mean, just like especially when they tell like the they tell the avatar, you know, tell Aang and the group to leave. Just seeing, you know, mm-hmm. Toss saying goodbye, just seeing the tears like streaming down her face, like that hurt. Yeah, that really. Hurt. She must feel like so incredibly frustrated. You know, it probably isn't just frustrating; it's crushing, really. You know, like wow, yeah. Um, so they go, they prepare to leave on Appa, and you know, Katara's trying to make Aang feel better and say like, "Hey, we can find other Earthbending teachers." Um, but then Toph comes running up. She's like, hey, my dad changed his mind. Let's go. Um, and then, well, then she's like, well, first, before they go, she has to go knock Aang into the air and into a tree as payback for knocking her off the stage uh, during the championships. Uh, she's like, okay, I'll take the belt back now. And this is like one of the many like running jokes of the series where the gang forgets that she's blind. And so yes. he just beats <laughs> the belt at her and she gets knocked over. <laughs> mm-hmm. One of the many times. One of my favorite running jokes with it. Um, but then back to the estate, Toph's father offers Shinfu and you a reward for capturing Toph, and that ends the episode. Yeah, I I just wanted to talk about briefly mm-hmm. how cool it is that the show was uh, able to depict a disabled character in such a positive way, and how they continue to do that while also showing you know, Toph as a real person. Like, it's we talked a little bit about this in Avatar After Hour um, where we were talking about the women of Avatar and how, like, the the big thing that is missing from a lot of uh, female characters when men write them is that they don't feel like people. They feel like, they feel like they represent one dimension of a personality and that's it. And it's kind of like what you get with disabled representation as well. Like, they're disabled and that's it. That's that's all their character is. That's all they ever talk about. That's, you know, whatever. And in this case, not only does Toph get so much more than just everything being about her being blind, but she also utilizes that disability, quote unquote, to an advant to her to her own advantage. And it makes her strong and it makes her um like respected even like I just think it's it's really cool and it's awesome for little kids to see that. I don't know. Absolutely. I mean, what's even funnier is that like not really funny, but you know, Top was originally supposed to be this like super buff dude, which we do get a little reference to that in the Ember Island players. But I'm so glad that they radically changed the original concept for her character into the glorious mm-hmm. character we have now. For sure. Yeah. Um, and that's it on the recap side of things. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about before I move on to the quick section of the bell counter? Uh, yeah, there's nothing in the, Azula doesn't make an appearance, so we have zero on the bell counter. Um, but I think we are up, oh, I should have put where our counter is at. 
I think we're up to like seven or eight last time we checked. I think so. That sounds about right. Seven. Yeah. We're at seven. Cool. So I don't think we'll get any for next time either. Or no, I think next week is the, or the next time we recap is the chase. So we'll probably get something like that. Cool. All right. You want to lead us into Fandom Corner? Yes. So this week's Fandom Corner comes from Instagram, uh, which was screenshotted from Tumblr. So I guess a lot of our, a lot of our stuff comes from Tumblr uh, that was screenshotted from it. Uh, You are, you are our Tumblr liaison. Yeah. Oh, liaison. I like the sound of that. I don't even know what that means. Uh, So basically, the post has a picture of uh, screen grabs from the Blue Spirit episode. Uh, And the it's from the scene at like towards the end when like Zuko is lying in bed, which is I'll explain why it's important in a minute. So Aang's speech to Zuko in the Blue Spirit episode is one of the best written scenes in Atla. After Aang tells Zuko about the possibility of being friends, the scene then transitions to Zuko laying in bed thinking about what Aang had said. He then looks at the Fire Nation symbol in his room and then turns his back on it. Mm-hmm. Like, subtlety. Yes. <laughs> I did subtlety, not notice that. Yes, but also not so that. subtle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, subtle like, reference to, like, I mean, he's like, he goes from, like, well, also I noticed in the screen grab is that, like, his scar side's facing up when he's looking at the Fire Nation banner. And then yeah. when he turns to the side, oh, turn, literally turns his back on it, you see, you don't see a scar anymore. Right, right, yeah. Like the scar is so um, is so emblematic of of his ties to the Fire Nation, and I think it it stops becoming that when he finally confronts Ozai in season three. Um, but yeah, this is really cool. We covered the Blue Spirit episode in episode twelve of Avatar Hour, um, which feels like forever ago, but that's when we did it. So yeah. if you want to hear <laughs> our thoughts more about that episode, go ahead and check that out um details yeah. I, don't, I don't know if we noticed this when you were watching that episode though it's i don't think so either i th- um i think we noticed how it faded mm-hmm. between the scenes but i don't think we noticed how he like turns away from the fire nation uh insignia i don't think we noticed that yeah there you go and cool. that's it on fandom corner if you want to submit to fandom corner uh you know, send to our DMs over social media. We'll go over our handles at the end of the episode or send it to the Avatar Hour Podcast at gmail.com. We love to get Phantom Corner submissions and we'll shout you out on the episode. So go submit to Phantom Corner. Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, recommendations. I'm going to recommend this week uh, The Queen's Gambit Score by Carlos Rafael Rivera. Um, I have been obsessed with this score. Um, I, I watched the show back in uh, like November, December. But I've only it's only really been rotating in my Spotify for the last couple of weeks. So it's also great like study music too, or just like just music if you want like instrumental music that you won't get easily distracted by. It's just a great ambiance sort of thing. So yeah. Have you watched the show? I'm assuming you watched the show. Yes. Yeah. You like it? I love it. I love the show. I keep like I always join the hype train like super late. So. <laughs> it's 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 seven episodes. It's definitely, definitely worth watching. Okay. Maybe my recommendation. Um, so I like to shop local uh, in Morgantown, but they have an Etsy shop. That's just cool. So there's this one little shop called Hoot and Howl downtown in Morgantown. So if you live in the area, go visit. Um, they basically sell a lot of like artists, artists, like crafts stuff, like, uh, you know, crafty, cool stuff. Uh, I can't really describe exactly everything that they sell because they tend to rotate things out. So there's always something new when you arrive. So they have things from like, trucker hats to like lavender based products to stickers to jewelry so this particular 
piece of jewelry. I was wearing these during the episode recording. I'm taking them out now because I can't always wear dangly earrings that might bother me. But there's these earrings from The Pretty Pickle, which is on Instagram. Ooh. I don't know if you can see. Uh, for Patreons, you can definitely see it. But I have these earrings shaped like the state of West Virginia. And inside, they have Queen Anne's Lace, uh, a type of flower. So The Pretty Pickle, all of their stuff, whether it's necklaces or earrings... Um, or any other kind of jewelry they sell, they have uh, they have things like coal dust from West Virginia because um, they're based in West Virginia, uh, Queen Anne's lace, uh, butterfly wings, which they don't rip wings off of butterflies, guys. They find this shit. <laughs> um, but just finding all these different flowers and plants and things and making beautiful jewelry out of it. So that's my recommendation for the week. Pretty pickle on. It's uh, if you want to go to their website, www.theprettypickle.com. That's my recommendation for the week. Love that. Awesome. Well, if you are enjoying the show and you would like some more Avatar Hour content, we have a lot of cool behind the scenes stuff and bonus content over on our Patreon, including our bonus segment, the Avatar After Hour, and other things like the ad free early release videos and personal shout outs on the show. So, if any of that stuff interests you, visit patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour podcast. And if you'd like to send us feedback about the show, uh, you can email us at the Avatar Hour podcast at gmail.com or you can reach us on Facebook and Instagram at the Avatar Hour podcast or on Twitter at Avatar Hour. That's and it. yeah, that's, that's it. our episode. Um, next week, we will be doing a topic episode. We'll keep you guys in the dark for now. Um, but yeah, that's going to be really fun. We haven't done one in a while, so I'm, I'm really yeah. uh, excited to talk about this one in particular. So we haven't done it since we haven't done a topic episode since 2020, right? Like it's been, yeah, like yeah, it's, since it's been before, a while. before season two, we haven't done one for season two. So, so first this will be really cool. Two. Yeah, yeah. We haven't done it since before Rise of Kiyoshi. But yeah, cool. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Everyone stay safe. I'm Andre. And I'm Kayla. Bye everyone. Bye.